I'm just curious because you two have played more Barbarians than anybody else I know. Just ballpark it for me. What is your general percentage or ratio of the characters you've played or the number of sessions you've played, I guess, where you've been a Barbarian? Dave. Pretty, pretty low. Uh, I 3.5 background. When I get to play a character, I fill in the gaps because I'm confident in using magic. I'm confident in being a bard. I'm confident in being a cleric. I'm confident in everything else. What everybody else wants to do, I will fill in the gaps. So I have gotten a Barbarian where we have had... Uh, you know, this person wants to do a cleric, this person wants to do a bard, this person wants to do a paladin, but we landed with no real fighter, no, no real, like, front, front line, and so I mean, maybe, like, 10% of the time that I get to play, I'm a barbarian. It's low, but frequent enough. Fuck that, I like hitting shit. More than 50%. More than half my games I've been a barbarian. There's just something basic and easy with getting into the headspace of just someone who wants to tear you apart with his bare fucking hands. Yeah, this is my act of aggression at the table. Fuck you. I'm a barbarian through and through. See, I've only been a barbarian for about five sessions. Hmm. Out of my entire fucking... Yeah, but you like doing bigger things. Like, barbarians are very simplistic. They're a good introductory class. And, and to be fair, I've never had a barbarian last longer than five sessions, really. <laughs> It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode of our conversation on classes. I'm Dave, and with me today are Adam and Dan, uh, and this episode is called Barbarians, Pathological Violence. <laughs> Path of yeah, yeah, because they're paths. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Jokes are funnier when you explain I, them. I get it, I get it. We've previously covered the Battle Rager, Berserker, and Totem Warrior subclasses in our first Barbarian episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. Our second Barbarians episode, we went over the Ancestral Guardian, Storm Herald, and Zealot, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to consider personal totems, tattoos, and superstitions. You can find these episodes as well as our other class episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps... Or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to take us into the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, where we're going to look at the subclasses presented there, as well as the optional class features. Have you spent much time looking through Tasha's yet, Dave? Uh, ten minutes a week ago, but not really at this. No? Actually, that's not true. I did a little bit. But, like, no, not really. Even I've, like, I haven't spent that much time in Tasha's, mostly because I look at Tasha's a bit like it's the beginning of bloat. For me, and I look at it with just exhaustion going, oh, fuck, more rules that my players want to put on the table. Oh, my God. I, I return to that and Ravenloft so so often since it comes out. Yeah. Like, can't even keep up open two or three times since we did our Legend Lore episode, but those those two, I go back to Tash's probably twice a week. Hmm. I'm, I'm digging through it looking for the next thing. Cool. It's got some gnarly spells and shit in there. So, And I like a lot of the optional stuff. I hate some of the optional stuff, too. In my Monday game, I have a player who is playing a Swarm Keeper Ranger. And uh, I get the message the other day saying, Does Druid Craft work on seeds if they are under the skin of an enemy? Cool. And I'm like, I'm sorry. How do you have Druid Craft, first off? And two, what the shit? And they're like, well, you know, we have these uh, new... Uh, combat styles 
in Tasha's, and one of them is you're a nature's warden and you get one druid cantrip, and I want to see if druidcraft is worth it. Growing a seed under someone's skin as a torture technique. I'm like, what the shit is this metal thing you've just... Yes, yes, that'll work. That so will evil campaign, work. huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So I just want somebody to fucking eat a bunch of seeds and then yeah. boom. Right? Yeah, if you eat a watermelon seed, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, so before we get into too much here, let's just go over a quick recap of what the basic barbarian features are. Sure. Uh, you get your proficiency bonus that starts at a plus two, and it goes up by one every four levels. It's really basic. That's standard, standard. with every class. Yeah, the yeah. highest you get is plus six, right? Uh, rages, you get two at level one to two, then it goes to three at level three to five, four at level six to eleven, five rages uh, at twelve to sixteen, uh, six. Rages at level 17 to 19, and at level 20 you get unlimited rages, which is awesome. Yep. That is that is one of the reasons why you never multi-class out of Barbarian. As much as Fighter is super worth it, unlimited rages? Ooh. Yeah, yeah right. but for those two sessions where you get to play level 20. Fair. Have longer sessions at level 20, people. I, I think you can, and I'll get into why I think that in a minute here. Uh, your rage damage does increase. It starts at a plus 2, and then it stays that way until you hit level 9, then it goes up 1. And it stays that way until you hit level 16. It goes to plus 4, and that's where you cap it off. Mm -hmm. uh, the class features, essentially, are pretty basic. Everybody knows they get 1d12 hit points. They're proficient with light armor, medium armor, shields, simple weapons, martial weapons. Uh, their saving throws are strength and con. Uh, and you get any of the two following skills. Animal handling, athletics, intimidation, nature, perception, and survival. You're a wild man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? For your class abilities, at first level you get Rage, which you have to use a bonus action to activate it, uh, You and you gain the following benefits if you're not wearing heavy armor. If you're wearing heavy armor, you don't get them. Uh, you get advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Uh, when you make a melee weapon attack using strength, you gain the Rage bonus uh, to damage dealt, and you get resistance to slashing, bludgeoning, and piercing damage. Uh, you can't cast spells while you're raging, mostly. Yep. You can do this a little bit now, but we'll get into that. Uh, and it lasts for one minute, and it, uh, your rage automatically drops. If you use your bonus action to drop it, you get incapacitated, or you haven't attacked a hostile creature since last turn, or have taken damage since last turn. Right? Yeah, can't rage when you're unconscious. Uh, the other thing that's important to know about raging uh, is you have to do a long rest to regain the rages. This is a long rest. Yeah, yeah. Right. Also, at first level, you get unarmored defense, which if you're not wearing armor, you get uh, your AC is ten plus Dex plus Con. Yeah, the the strength of your nipples protects you, but you can still use a shield, which is an interesting thing because I know Adam, you like to introduce the idea of a buckler. Yes, uh, which isn't actually in fifth edition. It's it's it all over. It needs to be in fifth edition. Yeah, like, just straps onto your arm. You can still use two handed uh, weapons. Yeah, plus one AC. Plus one. Done. done period. Moving on, right? Nothing to get Cost fancy Cost five about. gold, weighs three pounds. I had a player uh, in my campaign approach me. He wanted to use a buckler. He goes, oh, well, you know, I can use it to do the parry function, that blah, blah, blah happens. Like, no, man, just let's not make this any more difficult than we need to. Buckler, plus one, done, moving on. The only other thing I put with it is disadvantage on swim checks. I think that would, like, help almost. Yeah. Yeah, scooping up, but then moving your arm up to get it out again? No. That you're gonna you're gonna be weighted down as well on one arm. I, I would hear an argument about this if someone wanted to go like double buckler and try to swim. I I, I would hear an argument. But uh, anyways, anyway, why? Hold on. hold on. It is summer. 
We're going to strap a fucking garbage can lid to Dave's arm and throw him in a pool and see how well he swims. Yeah, you're not wrong. Never am. Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. That, all right, okay. All right, all right. One second. We're <laughs> stopping the podcast real quick. What? <laughs> I'm never wrong. So that's going to be on the internet now forever. And whenever he is wrong, I will clip this and put it in the episode. Sounds like a good idea. Your funeral, man. <laughs> if you want to see him rage, you yeah. go right ahead. I'll do it precisely once. Yeah. Then I'll get an angry series of text messages when he listens to I will have episode. you know that you get an angry series of text messages every time I hear you edit anyway. That's true. Yeah. So nothing will change. That's why I don't edit. That is not why. <laughs> that is not why. At second level, you get reckless attack, uh, which uh, when you make your first attack of the round, you have to declare this. Uh, you, then you get advantage on additional melee attacks for the rest of the round. Uh, however, people that are attacking you also get advantage against you. It's a reckless attack. You yeah. guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, also at second level, you get danger sense, which is just advantage on deck saves uh, that are against threats that you can see. You must not be blinded. <clears throat> you must not be blinded, deafened, or incapacitated. I had my players, oh, but like danger sense, that's like trap sense. It's like, yeah, yeah. no, man. No, you got to be able to see If you it. can you see the it. trap, I will give you that. But like, if, if you search and you find it and you can't disable it, fine, it'll work. But my, my favorite thing about this is I will start to give my uh, enemy mages subtle spell when they're casting fireball. You don't see it coming. You just suddenly blow the fuck up. That's not a bad idea. My, my favorite thing about Danger Sense is I played at a table with a person who had never really played a Barbarian before, and uh, I never once saw them use, use Danger Sense. And as a person who's played a few Barbarians, I was like, hey, you know you get advantage on dexterity saves on things you could see, right? And they're like, no, I don't. I'm like, buddy, it's one of your main features. Oh, yeah. It's, it's what Barbarians do. Yeah. Every Barbarian gets this. Yes. Right. Which means... Those bitches flinch. Ah, oh, I guess it does, hey? Yeah, yeah I'm, right. I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> no, I don't agree. No? No, because I just don't want you to be right. <laughs> uh, after that... This is, this is when Dan's going to clip in the... I'm never wrong. I still maintain I was wrong, so... <laughs> Uh, at third level, you do start to get some of your subclass features. This is where your primal path happens. You choose your subclass. Uh, it will give you additional benefits, not not just at third level, but sixth, tenth, and fourteenth level as well. I gotta say, friends out there in Barbarian Land, there are other primal paths than Path of the Totem Warrior. You min maxi sons of bitches. Yeah, don't just be bear totem. Yeah, there are other there are other options that are so much better. Than being uh, resistant to every type of damage than physical. Or, sorry, psychic. I mean, I really enjoyed doing the Storm Herald. I only got to play her for a little bit. But, I mean, she was absolutely wonderful. She just had this, went around punching stuff. Like, I didn't even really use weapons. It was just, plow, 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 because it was... Well, you had special brass knuckles or something, too, that I gave you that... that yeah, they gave me advantage that. on every time I hit with them. So, like, am I going to take the advantage, or am I going to take the other... Potential two damage. I am sitting on a half orc barbarian for a future. That must Adam be game. uncomfortable. But it, no, it's it actually feels right at home. I bet. Um, yeah, very, those, those tusks. Wow. <laughs> but I'm I'm waiting for like uh, an Adam campaign where I could play this character who is uh, an ancestral guardian 
barbarian. Mm-hmm. I love the flavor of ancestral guardian barbarians. Mm-hmm. Just like talking to your ancestors, pulling those spirits out, feels very Conan to me for some reason. I, I want you to know how ridiculous I'm going to be with a zealot barbarian one day. Yeah. I'm going to be a multi-class into College of Eloquence bard. So when he's not raging, you're going to hear about just how good his gods are. So, okay, he's so going you, to be an annoying son. So you're, so you're a, a southern barbarian. A barbarian. You're, yes. you're making a southern preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Resist What's the it? snake venom. I mean, that's what I really liked about the uh, the Storm Herald is, as a, as a triton, I had the resistance to cold. I had the resistance to, you know, the physical damage from being a barbarian. And I went desert, so I had resistance to heat and things as well. So I was resistant to, like, most things. It was great. Without... Without being a bear totem. Yeah. Cheeser. Right? Yeah. 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 I'm calling you the fuck out bear totems. There's even better totems. Like, go with the wolf totem. The wolf totem is such a great totem to... I, I'm, now, we've done this episode. I don't have to talk about it here. Continue, Dave. Uh, in, I watch a lot of Formula One, and there's a guy there uh, in Formula One whose name is Toto Wolf. And Totem Wolf just brings up all sorts of... Is he good? Because wolf totem is good. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I guess, maybe. Anyway, anyway moving on, moving on. Uh, the next uh, thing you get is at fourth level, and that is an ability score. You get that at 4, 8, 12, 16, and 19. That's the same. You guys know this. Yeah. You know Not everything, this. but most. Not fighter. Yeah, fighter gets it more often. Yeah. Sure. But you, you you guys know this one. You can take a feat instead, right? Yep. Do whatever. Uh, assuming that your DM allows it. Yes. Which, allow it. Uh, at fifth level, you get an extra attack. I don't think I need to explain this. Uh, I do. It's going to matter for mine. It is an extra attack when you use the attack action. Okay? It is not a second attack action. Yes. There's a difference. Yes. Fair. Fair. Uh, at fifth level, you also get fast movement. You gain plus ten speed. Trying to go fast. Uh, but, again, you cannot be wearing heavy armor. That makes sense. Of course it does. Seventh level, you get feral instinct. This gives you advantage on initiative. Uh, you get to act in a surprise round as long as you can use rage as your bonus action first. Is it bad that I, because I've played so many barbarians that are dead by fifth level, I went, wait, you get advantage on initiative? Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah, okay. Where you go, Dan? <laughs> All right. Uh, after that, at 9th, uh, and you also get this at 13th and 17th level, you get Brutal Critical. Uh, you get to add one additional damage die when you critical with a melee attack. So you're swinging with a longsword, you're adding a plus 8. Swinging with a great axe, you get another plus 12. You get additional ones at the other levels. Uh, after that, at 11th level, you get Relentless... At 11th level, you get Relentless Rage. What this does... Uh, is when you are dropped to zero hit points while you are raging, you get to make a DC 10 con save. If you succeed, you go to one hit points instead. One hit point instead. Uh, if this happens again before you get to do a short or a long rest, the DC increases by five every single time. Cool. All right, pretty straightforward. Uh, after that, you get persistent rage at the 15th level, where your rage only ends early if you choose or if you get knocked unconscious. The rest of the... Uh, things don't apply. At 18th level, you get Indomitable Might, where if your strength check total is less than your strength score, you can use your st- you can use the score instead. Which I really like that. That's, that's not modifier score. Score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Which is why you put it in the big box on the character. No, you don't. Yes, yeah. you do. Yes, you are wrong. No, I am not wrong. Adam on this. is always right. I'm never wrong. Yay! <laughs> what else? What else we got there? Uh, other than that, it's uh, 20th level. You get Primal Champion, which your strength and con increase by four, and they can be maxed out at 24. Cool. Which is badass. Which, like you said earlier, Dan, uh, you should play more sessions at level 20. That is why. That is cool. That is rad. Because yeah. then you can rage an unlimited amount of times and hurt things a lot more. more. Right? Yeah, which is the, the that's kind of the point. I love how barbarians get a max increase in their main stat to twenty four, but wizards are like, no, you you you're capped at twenty, motherfucker. You can only be so smart. Yeah, but wizards get more powerful. At, I no, think, I, I, I don't 20th know. Twentieth level wizard is more powerful than twentieth level barbarian. I nah, I it's circumstances. Sure, but I think that a twentieth level sorcerer is going to nuke the barbarian. 95% of the time. You're sleeping on D12 hit points, my friend. You're sleeping on D12 hit points, plus a con-based You're class. sleeping on literally spells. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, but they're so in, like... One note. Ah. That just the note is a good note, but it's comparing your versatility. I mean, the only thing that a wizard has to do is fly, well, wait and till, then this is over. Wait till we get to my subclass, because no, it's not. No, I know. My subclass, too, has got some shit. But yeah. Anyways... All right, uh, other than that, any other questions, comments about the base PHB Barbarian stats? No, no pretty straightforward. Uh, all right, next we're going to go over these uh, optional class features that you get out of Tasha's. Okay, cool. Um, the first one is Primal Knowledge at 3rd level, and again at 10th level, you can gain proficiency in one additional skill that's available to Barbarians. Oh, what do you guys think of that? Yes. All right, so let's roll to see what, uh, what you guys think of this one. I got a tree. I got a four. I got a nine. Um, I'm 100% going to allow this if I have other skill-heavy classes. Now, normally I, w- I would use this to like fill in the blanks. You'd think that maybe if if you've got a whole bunch of um, what are the what are the weak skill classes? Fighter, fighter, and and you've got a sorcerer, Monk. right? You don't have a whole bunch there, so you would fill in the gaps on this. But no, I want him to keep pace with the bard and the rogue. Okay. It's going to make him feel more useful in the social because there's intimidation in there or the exploration because there's survival and athletics checks as well, right? So it's going to keep your barbarian more relevant, but it's not going to break the game. That doesn't imbalance him. No. That's not power creep, and people are going to say it is, but power creep just raises you, or power creep only exists if it raises you above the level of power that others are at. This brings you up equal with, and I think it's fine. Yeah, I do as well, especially... Looking at the uh, the skills that it has, yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's the thing, right? You got to look at what skills it has available. It's not a long list, right? It's and not like it's stealth and perception, yeah, right. I mean, survival's useful, nature's useful, but it, it's not expertise. Is is my yeah. point in perception or stealth? That's fucking imbalanced, right? That's when it starts to get a little bit funky. Yeah. That's why rogues have the one fucking attack, right? Is because they're just good at everything else. So. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would let my guys play with this. It, I just would have that conversation ahead of time. I would make sure that when they're, you know, if we start at level one and then they get to level three, I want to make sure that we have this conversation. Uh, because if I ran into this, I was making a barbarian last week and with a background I took fit the barbarian, but it also used some of those 
uh, skills as well allowed me to take those as, as my proficiency, which if I was going to do this later on, well, now I don't really have a lot of options. Well, talk to your DM, and I'm sure that they'll, they'll Ex- move things around. Exactly. What I mean is this is a discussion to have at session zero, not at, hey, I'm at third level now. Can I do this? Because you may have to fundamentally change what you're doing. Yeah. I think that there's some others that are not on the list that could make enough sense if you stop to think about it. Like, depending on what your dex is, your acrobatics could could be something that you would have. Like, same with wisdom-based skills, like perception and stuff like that. Like, I'm... I'm, I'm even a- medicine. I mean, you're, you're out there in the wild and stuff. Maybe you have nature. Yeah. Right? So I, I don't mind adding or tweaking as long as it makes sense. I'm not sure I'm going to give your bear totem barbarian arcana. No. Your right. wild mate, your wild magic barbarian, maybe. Well, it depends what your background is, right? Yeah. The other optional feature that they have here is called instinctive pounce, where at seventh level, as part of your bonus action to rage, you can move up to half your speed. All right, we'll just use the same initiative. Adam, do you want to go first? I need to see this one in action. I don't know how powerful it's going to be. It's going to be really good in mobs. It's going to be really shit against tanks. So it depends on your on your DM, but it's only when you get your when you when you use the bonus action to rage, right? Yeah. So closing that distance to get in a quick kill early, great. Using that extra bit of movement to end up soloing against a tank monster for one round could be suicide. I like this. Uh, you use some strategy. I mean, I know you are the meat shield. You're supposed to be the first one, but. But don't always do it. Don't run forward to take out the three intellect devourers. He'll be dead by next round. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, I am a bit of a lazy DM. I don't really like this idea. It just kind of gives them more options. As soon as the encounter starts, hey, you know, if, if they're you know at seventh level, they're going to have their fast movement by now, right? And everything's got a basically 30 yeah, we can assume so, that that's standard. Yeah, so you're looking at at least 20 feet of movement extra as part of this, which is a lot. That's going to be 60. That's essentially double what your fighter's going to be. Able right, to. and that's what a lot of monks want. Like, that's that's up That's there. the monk thing, right? right? So, and, and that's why I'm okay with it, right? This is only once per minute. You get this additional little burst of speed. It is flavorful as shit. It is it is great for that where you just bolster yourself up in your rage and the the basically kicking into gear of combat. Your character gets this little burst of. Uh, I'd like the momentum. idea of them running ahead of the group, like um, in uh, Endgame with Captain America and, and Black Panther. No, that was Infinity War, where they outpace the rest of the... Yeah. Like, that's just a fun visual for And, me. like, the monk and the barbarian. The monk's just moving, like, getting their uh, breath of the wind or whatever the shit it is. And then they just look beside them, and the barbarian's just, like, foaming at the mouth one step behind <laughs> with the axe above the head. Like, oh, yeah. As a player, that really appeals to yeah. me. Yeah. But even as a DM, for me, it's only going to matter in the first round. So I just have to put something a little bit tankier up, or... Add one more cobalt so that they get that kill in cool and they get that that flavor. You are very much underselling the, oh, it's only the first round. That's when shit matters the most. Hear me out. Grab the assassin rogue on the first round of combat. You have advantage on uh, initiatives. Grab him. Run your fucking 60 feet forward. Whip the assassin rogue at a guy. I no bad guy in my table is ever going to think, oh, that assassin rogue is sixty feet away. He'll attack me this turn. 
But my friend, you're just walking with a walking ballista at this point. Hold on. They have to be small sized, otherwise you're moving at half speed, so it's not worth it. And they still need to be able to attack. They can only use a reaction. So not if you're a Goliath or a Furbolg, where you have your powerful frame, so your carrying capacity counts. Oh, there's more than that now, too. I think Loxodons yeah. and Minotaurs get it. There's a few of those. The other thing I think we're overlooking is uh, this only happens when you rage, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how many times, have, as a barbarian, have you entered combat and not raged because you only get two a day at a low level? I guess this is seventh level. So the way I few, play barbarians, none. No, but it's when I run out of rages that I stop raging in the first round of combat. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the point. Is on a six to eight encounter adventuring day, which is what fifth edition is supposed to be. Yeah, you're not doing this every round. That's why I say I'm totally fine with this. It's mm-hmm. and they're gonna bite off more. Than they can chew more than once. Oh, I just yeah. imagine level twenty every turn you enter a new rage. <laughs> I run sixty <laughs> feet. It's a good thing that you have resistance to physical damage. <laughs> okay, maybe this is when you want to be a, a bear totem barbarian is getting this. Hello, podcast people. Podcast people? We're recording. Yes, but it makes them sound like pod. We're recording. You're recording. Fuck. Hello, podcast people. We've got a couple of things going on that you might not know about, and so we thought we'd cut away to a little reminder. First of all, we just want to point everyone to our YouTube channel again. We appreciate that all of you listen on your respective favorite podcast apps, but the It's a Mimic YouTube page has all of our shows laid out in playlists. That means you can listen to our Dragon episodes back-to-back, or dig through the Campaign Builder or Touring the Multiverse series without scrolling through the backlog or having to use a search function. New episodes get uploaded within a week of airing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, but the whole backlog is up there. Even the episodes we're embarrassed about. Yeah, fuck, those early cold opens were sloppy. Yeah. And delicious. The other thing we want to hey, mention... Hey, Dan, it, y- you know what else is sloppy but delicious? Whatever you're going to say next is just going to get cut, so... Well... Uh, the other thing we want to mention is our sneaky little store that lives an unassuming little life on our website. There are stickers, magnets, phone cases, notebooks... Cups, water bottles, coffee mugs, and travel wait, mugs. Wait, 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 I could have a mug? I'm tired of your ugly mug already, man. I want a mug. We even have masks in a variety of sizes because we're socially conscious people. The current designs are for the It's a Mimic Mike and the Deep Dark Irradiance logo, but we'll be updating the store as time goes on. How big are the mugs? I don't know. There's a standard one and a tall one. And a travel mug too. Jesus, I need to look at this website more often. So please take a second to check out what we have to offer. We really appreciate the donations we've received through the website, but we want to make sure that you guys have the option of getting something for your hard-earned money. Every little bit helps keep the lights on and the side projects rolling, and we love you for your support. So thank you to everyone out there who visits www.itsamimic.com and checks out our online store there. (laughs) Hey, there's even a little pin with the logo on it. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel for perusing the older episodes. Now, without any further delay, let's head back to the show. Jesus, three different kinds of stickers, Dan. We are capitalist whores. Will you please take these damn commercials seriously? No. Uh, all right, well, we are back now, and let's uh, get into some of these first subclasses. Why don't you guys roll initiative to see who goes first? Ah! I got a four. Natural 20, Motherf- my friend. Motherfucker, all right, I'm going to get comfortable. So Adam was always what? <coughs> anyway. A pain in my ass. You're goddamn right. <laughs> And so for over thirty years, uh huh. Yeah, you and me both, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so I chose Path of the Beast. 
Okay, we we only have the two from Tasha's because we've covered all the other ones, yeah. right? So I have Path of the Beast. And when I started this, I went, who gives a shit? I don't care. I do not care about Path of the Beast. And as a matter of fact, I thought it was thematically kind of weak. And then, yeah, okay. I, and then I read it and I went, oh, yeah, okay, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm in. I like it. Why? Well, first of all, because Tasha says, you have to respect anyone who lets their inner beast out for a brisk jog and healthy throat ripping. <laughs> Oh, Tasha. Love it. Never change. Yeah. Um, it could be the origin of this is a little bit strange. There are four different ways to become Path of the Beast. Okay. You could get it because you are imbued with powers that have been granted by either a fae spirit or a nature spirit. Um, or maybe you're a descendant of an archdruid or a lycanthrope. I read that and I went, meh, meh. I don't care. Sure. That sounds very shifter to me. That's what I thought too. That was my initial thought um this is all about focusing on using unarmed attacks and abilities based upon special beast like transformations that you get i'm listening and remember unarmed attack so your great axe is no longer a factor here i i've always loved the idea of a barbarian that just tears shit apart with their bare hands and i'm not talking like bare hands but like bare hands yeah a-r-e yeah not e-a-r yeah yeah this subclass is clearly inspired by lycanthropy and shifting, but it doesn't get bogged down by what kind of animal that you want to represent. It's more of the idea that you're animalistic in general and connected to the ferocity and abilities of natural creatures in a broader sense. So it's not bear or lion. It is just nature. general nature. Be- you have best claws. things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at third level, you get form of the beast. You manifest a natural weapon when raging, gaining a bestial physical quality that you can use for offensive melee attacks. It doesn't have to be the same weapon every time you rage, but it has to be consistent until that rage is over. So it is E-A-R, bare hands. Uh, It could be. It could be. Wait for it. I'm going to get there. Okay. You get to add your strength modifier to attack and damage rolls, and it counts as a simple melee weapon, which barbarians are proficient with. Okay. The three options listed are bite, claws, and tail, which means you can just poop a tail. I'll get to that in a sec. Been there! (laughs) The bite means that you can transform to have a bigger, scarier mouth that does 1d8 piercing damage when you hit. Ladies. If... (laughs) If you hit. Oh, if you hit. Yeah, right, right, right. If you have fewer than half your hit points, you also get to recover... Hit points equal to your proficiency modifier once per turn. Whenever you um, damage a creature. That's oh. nifty. Uh, so you are drinking the blood of your enemies. Holy shit, that's metal. I love it. So is 1d8 uh, piercing damage when you bite. And keeping in mind, it's at level 3, so at level 5 you get to do it twice. But you can regenerate those hit points once per turn. The claws attack gives you... Well, claws. Bare hands. Um, they do 1d6 slashing damage, and you get to make an additional attack if you use an attack action. So now that's three. This isn't rolled into a bonus action or anything, so it can be pretty powerful, but it is just an extra single attack as part of the attack action. So at level five, it's three attacks. Now, standard rules, you can make an unarmed attack as, as, a, a, as bonus a bonus action. action. So you could have four attacks here. Yes, but you will not get the bonus of um, your strength modifier for the damage roll. Because it's an it's a unarmed attack. Rather than a natural attack. That's right. Okay. So, 
If you grow a tail, you get a tail covered in spines that do 1d8 piercing damage, like the bite to sink porcupine. But this attack has 10 foot reach. It's still considered melee. So That's it's, interesting. So it's reach and not range. Additionally, if a creature that you can see within 10 feet of you hits with an attack roll, you can use up your reaction to try to block with your tail by adding 1d8 to your AC for that attack. Holy shit. Notice that it doesn't last until your next turn. It's just the one attack that you're parrying, essentially. But it does seem to work against magic, too, because it's an attack, not a weapon attack or a melee attack. Cool. Interesting. At 6th level, Bestial Soul kicks in. Not only are those attacks that you got at 3rd level now considered magical, so you get to use them to bypass resistances and immunities to non-magical attacks and damages, but you also get other interesting bonuses to movement. You have a couple options. You get to choose one of the following three, but you can choose to select a different option after every short or long rest. Whenever you select an option, it remains active until you choose again. You can either gain a swimming speed equal to your walking speed and breathe underwater, hmm. or you can gain a climbing speed equal to your walking speed and climb on difficult surfaces, including across ceilings, without needing to roll an ability check. Or you can make an athletics check and increase the distance um, of a jump by a number of feet equal to your roll. So if you roll an 18 on an athletics check, your jump is an extra 18 feet. <laughs> and remember that athletics is one of the skills barbarians can be proficient in. The only limitation is that you can only do this once per turn. That's fucking okay. Remember, you don't have to be raging for these to kick in. And you're probably moving faster than most of your party already because of your fast movement at level 5. I mean, this is the... So we had that little uh, idea, that image in our heads of the monk and the barbarian running forward into combat. And then the barbarian... And then the barbarian jumps. And the monk just goes, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Yeah. Infectious Fury is at 10th level. When you land a hit on a creature with your natural weapons, you effectively curse the target with a concussion. Cool. They have to roll a wisdom save equal to 8 plus your con modifier and your proficiency modifier, or they get smacked by one of two effects. Remember, though, this is at level 10, so the save is already a minimum of 12, and it's probably higher if you put anything into constitution. The effects are that the target either has to use its reaction to attack a creature you choose with a melee attack, or take 2d12 psychic damage. While this does seem super powerful, you can only use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier per long rest. This feels a little crippling at first, but it's pretty rare that that you will be relying on this in multiple chained combat encounters that are back-to-back in tiers 3 and 4. I gotta say, I love, and uh, we've seen this with... Um, a lot of our other discussions previously, I love the fact that they are using other things on the character sheet to determine uses. Yeah. Right? I've wanted to see hit dice for a long time. But I'm glad they're using proficiency. I'm glad they're using proficiency modifier here. They do it the same with the wild magic, which we'll get into later, but... Well, I'm not done, because at 14th level is Call of the Hunt. When you enter your rage... You choose, it's not Hall of the, no, it's Call of the Hunt. <laughs> yeah, don't misspell this, giggling on, over don't there. Misspell this on your character sheet. <laughs> when you enter your rage, you choose a number of creatures within 30 feet that you can see, 
equal to your con modifier. These creatures can accept your inspiring rage and add 1d6 to any damage roll that they make until your rage ends. Additionally, you gain 5 temporary hit points for each creature that accepts the call. And you can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier per long rest. That's 5 times at level 14. It'll move up to 6 in a couple of levels. So it's barbic inspiration? Yeah. From a strictly barbarian sense, I like this as a counterpoint to what the Path of the Totem Warrior had to offer. This feels less commune with nature and more I'm going to rip your throat out, which is fun. Yep. yep. Um, but from an overall 5th edition perspective, this feels like a thematically muddy area um, where it's stepping on the toes of shifters from Eberron, Circle of the Moon Druids that are all about wild shape, or even Archfey Warlocks that are getting imbued by Fey spirits and whatnot. I'm glad that they don't stack perfectly, which gives you more encouragement to make unique builds, but I have the same complaint about Celestial Warlocks, Divine Soul Sorcerers, and ASMRs mm -hmm. all being thematically the same fucking thing. Um, this adds a new kind of perspective on the warrior imbued with nature magic, which is cool, but it makes things feel a little redundant or rehashed sometimes. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, you can end up with the same general flavor on two or three different characters. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, you you got to pull that camera back quite a far away. I think this little sprinkling of bard in there with the inspiring the party. Which is only at level 14. you got a ways to go. you got a ways to go for it, but, like, you... you this will impact, like, this is a nature-focused barbarian rather than a barbarian with nature flavor. And you're not relying upon a little totem either. Like, this is... No. You have been imbued, right? This This character uh, would be sitting there, like, would know... I, I would want to play this guy as a fur bulk and, like, okay, talking to the plants and animals and shit. Oh, okay, so, I have to admit that this is clearly going to stack with a monk for movement bonuses and unarmed strike synergies, mm -hmm. right? But the reliance on constitution and strength means that I'd need four really good stats to pull that off. Because I need dex and wisdom for the monk. Yeah. So it's not that great. I, I need to roll pretty high. Go uh, for a bulk. Um, normally, the list of good options for the sub... Uh, uh, the list of good options for the races would be the Ravenite Dragonborn from Wildmount, Durgar or Mountain Dwarf, Earth Genasi, Goliath, Orc or Half-Orc, Leonin from Theros... And uh, a Minotaur or a Triton, even. Because they all have con and strength. And those are the only two things you need for this build. Well, like I said, I was building a Barbarian not you know last week. And it is a Leonin that I'm doing. Yeah. And I did look at this briefly. And I went, oh, Claws. No, he's already got Claws. I'm going to look find something else. No, I'm only rolling level one. So I wasn't too worried about picking my path right away. Now you could give your Lion a spiky tail. And Claws. Yeah. And a huge fucking mouth. Yeah, ladies. And, of course, variant humans can make it work, right? Because they get the plus one to a bunch of shit. Um, I Half run, elves would work for it, too. Yeah. yeah, I run into problems, though, when I try to use the mechanically sound but thematically problematic. Path of the Beast Warforged seems odd to me, and I don't like it. It does like mechanically work out. There was an incredibly successful television program called uh, Transformers Beast Machines, which would be where I would go with this. Right? You would just like, wah, 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 wah. and that was my transformer noise, by the way. Uh, Do it again. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, where you would just have beast like mechanic hands. 
mechanical hands, right? Or or you would You know they're not robots, right? Warforged. They're not constructs, like it's not No, I'm 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 with you, but like they can have that flavor in them. And we when we had the Warforged talk before we argued about this before. But Well you make Wolverine because now he's got adamantine claws. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think honestly the people are gonna have more success when they get into the Beast Hide Shifter because it stacks real nicely. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, I like this for combat, obviously, but that level six ability really opens up exploration. And the definitive flavor and late level party buff with Call of the Hunt means that the roleplay pillar isn't shut off for this kind of character, and it normally is for a lot of barbarians, right? Yeah. Uh, overall, I think it's pretty well rounded, uh, even though it does obviously focus on smashing the shit out of things, which is that's, what you want out of a barbarian. That's why right? you play a barbarian. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, guys. Let's roll initiative now, and uh, let's figure out what you think some of the strengths of the subclasses are, or some potential oversights or power imbalances. Sure. Oh, I got an 11. You guys got 10s. I got another 10. Uh, I got a 5. I'm consistent. Uh, all right. I'm going first, I guess. Consistently average. Uh, the thing that I like what about that this... you? Oh, boy. Less than average. There it is. Oh, boy. Anyways, Dave, you were saying something? Uh, was I? Yes, I was. Uh, the strength of this subclass, I think, uh, is in its flavor. To me, the 5th edition Barbarian has really leaned into the idea of being wild, of being more out from the the outside of civilization to come back in. Like, to, to me, that's one thing that this really does. It really it focuses on that. Tribal and it, it's almost druidic in its in its... I like the fact, yeah, you're right. It does kind of kind of straddle that line a little bit. Not always. There's like your zealots and your storms. Of course elves, there are, but, but, but that's for the, the most part. The theme that I get out of this is yeah. very tribal and, and, and one natural. Of, one of the best as a multi-class focus and and like character building focus, one of the best builds for a barbarian, best things to add to a barbarian is druid. And this does it for you. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. And I also like that it kind of gives you the shifter flavor without having to bring shifters in. Well, it's cool because if you're a shifter, you can shift and then rage. You need two bonus actions back to back to do it. But you get real dumb powerful doing that shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the power imbalance here, though, will come from multi-classing or min-maxing with that well, the particular race that's going to just give you the extra I, edge. I think Adam's right. Playing the shifter, one of these guys, you're you're crossing the line into over uh, over powerful. Yeah, bit but, but it's but, also thematically so strong, especially if you then take a couple of levels of Circle of the Moon. Yeah. Right. So you're like, hey, I'm going to have claws and then have claws and then grow claws. So like you yeah. can you can you really need to have some sort of claws claws. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That you that gave Dan pause. I hate you both. He he haws. Anyways, um, I really like this guy. I mentioned playing him as a fearbolg either, and I am on a bit of a fearbolg kick right now. But uh, fearbolgs get their bonus to strength and and wisdom, which if you're going to go into this druid path, having wisdom as your main stat tracks. But if you want to go just straight barbarian, wisdom is still hella useful. Survival, perception, they're based off wisdom. And as a barbarian, they're going to be two of your tent pole skills, right? The only thing is that your con modifier comes into play with the subclass more than once. Yes. So I would still probably... 
I'd, I'd still make my top stat con, con and, and then, then boost up strength followed by wisdom, yeah, right? So. And and so I really like that, but it's 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 the often missed ability that uh, Fearbolgs get, which is the ability to talk to plants and animals, right? And them understand you with this guy. You just become this really weird kind of angry guy talking to a tree, angry guy talking to a tree, <laughs> right? Wearing just like a pair of ruined pants, right? And you could have so much character option with this. I mean, you're basically playing Dave alone in the wilderness. You're, you're playing a, a furbolg in this new campaign, right? I am. Okay, your familiar is going to be a ringworm. I don't have a familiar. But I'm going to give you one. <laughs> you'll be able to talk with plants and animals. You're just gonna, who are you talking with? And he'll be able to ruin his pants. Yeah, he's... he's, he's Talking with Jerry. Who's Jerry? Jerry's my tapeworm. <laughs> I hate you both. Good. But no, man, I I, I do really like them. Uh, all right, what would you guys do for... Do you guys have any insight into like how you would maybe roleplay this standard base level of the subclass? Honestly, you just play them super crunchy, right? Like you just play them super granola. Yeah, they're super ragey. Like these these guys are beasts. Yeah. They they are wild men of the woods. Like, I you know I could even subvert it though and have the noble in the fine clothes clothes going don't don't push me do not fucking push me, and then suddenly like they grow up. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah right. Like I think that would be really fun and weird. Having an entire like city just based around these guys, like the entire noble class is these guys, and then you have a ball, uh, a like a a. Not entire no an entire session of um like a winter's ball or something like a masquerade of some sort where your players are dealing with the political intrigue of literally a bunch of beast barbarians right who are there and there's that political balancing act and um you piss off the wrong guy he takes you to the balcony and literally bites your head off I like that. I, I really like... Oh, and like the common folk, are they run in fear. Yeah. Uh, maybe the common folk are shifters. Oh. Well, these right. are big daddy shifters. Yeah. yeah. And these are the alpha shifters, right? Like you could you could play it that way. There's some fun to be had. There's with some this. fun to be had with it, yeah. Right on. So we're going to move on to that and to mine, which is the Path of Wild Magic. Um, I was... The, the Path of the Wild Magic... Barbarian is when you want to play a barbarian sorcerer, but don't want to um, deal with all of the figuring out of class levels with that multi-class. It does not have good synergy. It uh, well, no, a barbarian sorcerer straight up doesn't. And this, and, and I've seen one at my table for like months. This really does blend it together well. Um, as with the name, this is a barbarian who just lets that primal force of magic move through them. And Tasha herself has something to say on this where she goes, she doesn't recommend letting magic take the reins, but I'm not your mom. Live deliciously. Love that. Yeah, right? Dave's going to get the tattooed across his nipple. Live deliciously? Yeah. Well, yeah. well the one is big enough. <laughs> just the one. Yeah, the just other the one. Yeah. We don't talk about the other one. All right. Come lopsided, Dave. So, the path of the wild magic barbarian is what happens when a wild, emotional, rampaging force sits in the ebbs and flows of raw magic for too long and picks up some of the traits. Okay? At level three, when you choose the path of wild magic, you can, as an action, detect the location of any spell or magic item 
within 60 feet of you, so long as it's not behind total cover. This also gives you, the big dumb barbarian, knowledge of the school of the item or spell. Not necessarily what the school means. Is there a role or do you just get it? There's not really a role, but this is another instance when we see the proficiency modifier in place. Okay. You can do this an amount of times as per your proficiency modifier per long rest. Now, there's a bunch of other cool things you can do at level 3. You get Wild Surge. Now, whenever you enter a rage, wild magic happens. Now, this is kind of like the Sorcerer Wild Magic Surge, but is only 8 options rather than 50. Okay. Okay. But the choices are fairly awesome. You roll a two, you get a blink ability to teleport up to 30 feet away as a bonus action every turn of your rage. Roll a seven, you sprout vines and flowers, making the ground uh, 15 foot circled around you, difficult terrain, to just your enemies. And it does say your enemies. Roll a four, your weapon, regardless of what it is, now does force damage, is light, and can be thrown up to 60 feet away. And if you do throw it, comes back into your hand at the end of your turn. It's a mule near. Yep. Now at 6th level, you can, for the amount of times equal to your proficiency modifier again, use bolstering magic. I'm sorry, hold on, I'm confused. When does the wild surge kick off? Whenever you enter a rage. Listen. Do you have to roll on it? Yeah. You have to roll on it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, now if you are a level 20 barbarian of this type, you, pretty much every turn you could roll on something new. Yeah, you could, but you'd have to drop the rage as a free action and then waste your bonus action re-raging. Yes and no. There, no, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Okay. At 6th level, you can bolster magic. What does this do? Well... It, it magically bolsters. Kind of. One of two things actually happens here. You or an ally you touch as an action can, for 10 minutes, roll a d3... Okay. Which I don't like, but a D3 when making an attack roll or an ability check and add that to the D20. That's okay. I don't mind it being a D3. Why a 3? Why not a 2 or a 4? I would have to sit down and look at the actual fucking math of that. It probably has to do with the balance against other 6th level abilities that are D4s and um, certain power levels with different subclasses. So it's going to be a game design balance thing. I think this is the first time I've seen a D3. Oh, but they're, they're around. They're, they're just rare. They're around. Here's, I, I have an answer why it's a D3 and not a higher dice. The second ability, which is you can roll that D3 to cause the creature you touch to regain expended spell slots, the level of which has to be the number rolled or lower. Keep in mind, this last one can only apply once per creature per long rest. So you can give your party members their spells back how many spells uh one spell slot uh that you roll the d3 it's whatever level that is up to your proficiency modifier a day jesus well warlocks just became more powerful warlocks gonna be your best friend you're gonna have you know they're gonna be dangling off your belt Uh uh-huh now well actually no they're not because their spell slots all level up in chunks so once they start getting fourth level spells this won't help them can they do it to themselves? They could do it to themselves. Okay. That's what really hurts. Now, moving on to 10th level, when you take any damage, you can elect to re-roll on the wild magic table and take that fe- uh, that effect instead of your current one. Oof. Whenever you take damage. Interesting. Yep. Finally, at 14th level, when you roll on that wild magic table, roll two dice 
and choose which you'd like. If you roll doubles, choose any of the eight. No limitation. Okay. And all of those eight are powerful boons. There's not one that'll fuck you like the normal wild magic table will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. None of them turned you blue? None of them. Well, no. No. So anyways, this guy essentially plays as a battery of two kinds. Not just the raw physical power that comes from the assault and battery, um, but also as a recharger of the spellcasters in your party. That was my joke. Well done, Dan. I like that. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those listening in, I said before I had a joke that, that I was That was proud a triple of. A joke, Dan. Hey! hey! See what he did there? Because triple A's are batteries. Anyways, this gives you some much needed utility that other barbarian paths just don't possess. I kind of feel like this guy, more than that other barbarian subclass, is your Thor. Crackling with magical oh, energy and I laying the know. smack down on whatever hapless fool stands in your way. I don't know. No, 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 no. Storm Herald. Ah, uh, I don't know. I'd have to sit down and look at it thematically. We could have a comic book argument about this. It's, it's uh, for me, it's the recharging ability as well. Like, stand next to Iron Man and charge Iron Man. Yeah, but he wasn't going over there and slapping Scarlet Witch upside the back of the head to give her more power. It's because Scarlet Witch is a rogue, not a spellcaster. Oh, Black okay. Widow's Fuck, a sorry. rogue. Yeah. Woof. I'm never wrong. Scarlet <laughs> So, And you have to keep in mind, too, that... You know what? No, I would like to modify that. Adam is not always right. Dan is often wrong. Yes. I'll take it. All right? I'll take <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, Jesus, that's... I really like the Wild Magic Barbarian. I think it adds just enough flavor to everything so that you um, get to put some fun spins on your class. This this makes it possible, man, to, to have a Barbarian feel impactful at level 20. If I am going to say, hey, guys, we're starting a level 13 campaign, I'm in. Okay. But the ability to blink around, that's so hard as a DM to design around. It's I have to design against all eight things on the freaking table. Every single time that we run into this. Which means everything gets harder. Uh, I mean, the idea of a, of a barbarian and magic together probably are a little problematic to begin with. Well, the, the, the boon to it to me is uh, the thing that balances it is the random nature of it. At no point in time do you get to just straight up choose what ability you want unless you roll doubles after level 14. That's still, honestly, that's still enough for, for me. <sighs> no, no, you know, it's random. It's the fact that every round I can go, I want to try something else. I want to try something else. Yes, I want you to try still have else. to roll and take that result if you want. Yeah, but... How do I design against it as a DM? I, I could sit there and be like, okay, he can do literally every one of these things on a different round in this encounter. How am I supposed to get... What I like about this in particular is it gives the Barbarian the opportunity to actually do more than just hit something differently on its turn. Yes. There are choices and roles to make that will affect that outcome, which is something that the Barbarian lacks. I think that for Tier 1, the Barbarian is one of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. For Tier 2, everything else starts to catch up. And then for Tier 3 and 4, it tends to get weak. And this is when it and starts this, to boost and, it. Yeah, that's when it really starts to get powerful. So, overall, I like this. But, fuck, that's hard to... to it'll, it'll be definitely... It's definitely hard for your DM to plan around. But at the same time, I wouldn't plan around it as a DM. 
it's so random that. But it's if, not that random. It's one of eight. Like it's yeah okay. It's one of eight, but like it's also one of eight once per round, right? It's it's not. There are going to be some encounters. Here, I'll put it to you this way. This wild magic table will make some encounters just obsolete and just they won't matter. You're going to just fucking raffle stomp things that should have been a deadly encounter. Just purely by accident. Or you're going to blink into that place where you shouldn't be able to get into yet. And the DM normally would say, hey, no one here has, has teleportation. But now I have to assume that he has teleportation and he has access to this and he has access to this and he has and you have to plan it, right? So that's why I say it's difficult. That being said, the flip side of it is there's no downside. So it's not like any one of these encounters will suddenly get more difficult. They'll only suddenly get easier. Yeah. Which is why I say all all of my encounters then become harder. So the poor lore bard over in the corner is has to deal with more difficult encounters as well. Yeah, it's, but it's just a party balance thing. And honestly, you can fix that with magic items. And Honestly, at level 14, the lore bard um, is oh. one of the most powerful players right, at okay. the table. All right, fine. The purple dragon knight, then, Dan. I Okay, that, that is an extreme in the other direction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so okay. All right, all right. So let's roll some dice here. Uh, why don't we start with what you think the strength of the subclass is? Natural 20. 19. Uh, the, the Adam got a four. So the strength of this subclass is the fact that it gives, like you said earlier, it gives your barbarian something to do with higher tiers. Yeah, Dave's absolutely right. It's the versatility. Yeah, yeah. right. Which the barbarian, more than any other class, I would argue, was horribly needing. Fighter gets a billion and a half attacks and multiple weapons that it could do fun stuff with, plus all of its feats. I don't know, man. Talk to a Warlock. Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. Okay, that's just because of how Warlock is designed to lead you in that direction. But no, at the same time, yeah. like... A warlock with its invocations is going to destroy a encounter at level fourteen, right? Barbarians are just—I guess I'm critting harder, right? Yeah, no, but you would have to take other subclasses into that as well. Like there are other things that barbarians do by level fourteen besides just the basic. Yes, yeah, but I think the strength of this subclass comes in tier three and tier four, where you really start to get wild and choose. At least in some ways, your wild magics. That makes sense. Uh, the thing I like about this, I think the strength of it is that it does give you that extra little bit of magic that a barbarian wouldn't have, right? It allows you to dabble a little bit when you've got players that uh, want to just come in and, and be fighty, and then they see that the spellcasters are having more fun later on. Well, I mean, I guess you got to pick your subclass first, but this is something that kind of gives you the best of both worlds it allows you to dabble with the wild magic and the the randomness of it without really having to pay too much of a price you know it, it does at a later tier make the barbarian just that much more interesting yeah i don't i can't disagree with anything you guys have said like i say as a player i love this as a dm you're feels, wary of it it feels weird that a barbarian's using magic well yeah but you see even with the wild magic sorcerer once it's once the wild magic surge kicks off I, as a DM, can choose when they can recharge that ability. So I'm in control of the random to a degree. There's no control of the random here. And DMs don't need that control. It's just, if you're going to homebrew, if you're not going out of one of the modules, it can be real difficult to design around. Honestly, if you're homebrewing, I'm designing my own wild magic surge table for my oh, players. Oh, would you really? Yeah. I 100% would. And give it another uh, D12 options. 
and let it use hit dice for rolls or whatever. Right? I like the like, idea of taking the actual wild magic surge table. And then when your barbarian rolls up his wild magic barbarian, he's got to roll which things he's taken off of that table. Oh, that could really fucking destroy <laughs> your, your Your barbarian runs forward, swings it, uh, enters its rage, swings its weapon, turns into a pot of plant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, the thing is that it... This wild magic surge table, I wouldn't fuck with. I just wouldn't because every one of the options is... Going to be in theory balanced. It feels like they put some real thought into this. It's not just a you turn blue. Yeah, which would be that one eighth of the time you suck, right? Which, I mean, by the time that you're six or ten levels in to a subclass, that would that would hurt, right? So it needs to be consistently good if it's going to be that those that few um, of uh, of options of uh, different effects that you could land on. I. Uh, yeah, man, the strength of this is just, it's so clear that it gives you, it just breaks everything wide open for you. Do you guys want me to let you know what all eight options are on this wild magic table? Yeah, why not? I mean, short list, I could let you know. Sure. Okay, one, um, each creature of your choice you could see within 30 feet of you must make a con save or take 1d12 necrotic damage. You also gain temporary hit points equal to 1d12 plus your barbarian level. This is at level three. This is at level three. Um, the aforementioned teleport. Um, a intangible spirit, uh, an intangible spirit, which looks like a flump or a pixie, your choice, appears within five feet of one creature of your choice uh, that you can see within 30 feet. At the end of the current turn, the spirit explodes and each creature within five feet of it must succeed on a dex save or take 1d6 force damage. Until your rage ends, you can use this effect again, summoning another spirit on each of your turns as a bonus action. Whoa. I figured the, you what would... was the radius on that? Uh, five feet. Five feet. Up right. to a creature you can see 30 feet away, but five feet as an explosion. So you can hit nine creatures. I mean, if they're one stacked like that, yeah. Yeah, but that, I mean, gee, at level three. That, that right there is a level three fireball. Uh, well, not quite, because it's only 1d6, not 5. Sure. Okay, it's a level 1 fireball then. But, but it this doesn't get more powerful. At level 14, it's still a 1d6 fireball. There's no scale to this. Yeah, but if you want it, you can hunt it. You can do it until you, like, you can keep re-rolling until you get it. Yep. And if you don't want it, you can move it past Well, it. think, I mean, at, as what level is it that your rage is just persistent? 11, I think? Something like rage that. ends when you want it to. Not at a minute, so just rage forever and just blow up flumps. Yeah, I, I figured can... you'd like this because fuck flumps. I like flumps. Oh really? Yeah, they've got they got a couple things. We'll we'll do an episode about them. Sometime. Okay. Uh, number four is when you your weapon gains the throwing ability. Sure. Yeah. Um, Mjolnir. Number five, whenever a creature hits you with an attack roll before your rage ends, they take one d six force damage as retribution. So you just get thorns? Can I, Yeah. Okay, so that was a Diablo reference right there. You just get thorns. That is sorely freaking missing from 5th edition. The idea that if you hit me, you will suffer. I miss that, and monsters should have it too. Well, also missing from this is auras. And hey, number 6 gives you an aura. Which, you gain plus 1 bonus to AC, and while within 10 feet of you, your allies gain the same bonus. Hmm. So your barbarian is helping with the AC of everything. It's pretty cool. Number seven are the flowers and vines. And number eight, a bolt of light shoots from your chest, 
Another creature of your choice that you could see within 30 feet of you must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d6 radiant damage and be blinded until the start of your next turn. Until your rage ends, you can use this effect again on each of your turns as a bonus action. Take a look at my glowing nipple! Care Bear stare. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, none of these are bad. None of these, I, I wouldn't even really say none of these are super imbalanced. Uh, the fluff, level maybe. three, they're they Yes, but at level balanced. three, you can't juggle it around. You get one random one for a minute, twice a day. Yeah, but, I mean, that Radiant one is going to fuck all those undead at low levels. So, in theory, I know this is not how probability works, you're gonna but be, in theory, one out of every eight encounters just doesn't matter anymore. You're going to be super powerful in one out of eight. Seven out of eight, you're going to... Or, sorry, six out of eight, you're going to be, you know... I'll tell you this average. right now. If I'm playing Curse of Strahd, I'm going to rage every time he's nearby and drop it. And rage and drop it till I land on that Radiant one so we can wipe him out now. But then you're spending turns to spend it, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you can end the campaign in about half the time. Uh, I'm not so certain. Again, it's only 1d6 radiant damage. Yeah, but he can't regenerate. Still. So everybody else can just wail on him. If, if you're... If, and if he did, dies, he dead. There's no misting back or any of that shit. Uh, if that becomes a possibility at level 3 in your campaign, you're a bad DM. That's not a... That's not a I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this requires a little bit of additional thought from a Dungeon Master perspective. From a player perspective, take this. Yes. This is good. I am not shitting on this subclass. It just makes me go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, this is good for my next question, Dan. Um, we'll start with you again. Uh, what are the potential oversights or power imbalances here? I think, again, it's probably pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. We've hit the nail on the head a couple times. Uh this could line up for you to be the star of an encounter where you were not necessarily meant to be the star of, right? Like as a DM, if I'm playing a campaign and I want the cleric to have a bit of a moment to shine in a combat encounter, I'm going to throw undead at him. You get the radiant ability like you mentioned. Now the barbarian, who's always the star of combat, is still the star of combat. So it might have some issues there, but it's only a d6. Right, and even with the flumps exploding, it's only a deep and it's always going to be flumps. It's never a pixie, for me. It it's always going to be. Flumps. Oh, it is in the Feywild, in front of other pixies. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, and remember, they're tiny, so you can blow up lots of them. <laughs> Jesus, sorry, Princess Bubblewing. <laughs> but anyways, I I honestly think the this guy is has the potential to outbalance an encounter. But, I mean, seven times out of eight, you'll be mostly fine. Yeah, one of the things I like about DMing barbarians is when it gets to their turn, they go, I do this, I do this, I hit, I do this much damage, moving on. You are slowing down combat at this point, which is a can be a real problem for me sometimes. I think it's that level three ability to kind of ping the magic around you to do that detect magic that I think is the thing I would focus on as this guy. Because um, as a DM... Giving my barbarian the ability to like solve a puzzle. You're welcome, barbarian, because you could determine magic schools and the wizard doesn't have to worry about it while he's busy casting transmutation spells in the corner. Um, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. I I just love the fact that the barbarian could be more of an aid now during these downtimes, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I just think that, honestly, that's my power oversight. How many times do you walk in and there's a hidden door or a magical thing or a cursed item or something, and you don't want your players to know yet? Mm. There's no way to mask that unless you put it inside an anti-magic field for now. Or you just make it a naturally hidden thing. Well, then you're undermining why a player chose their subclass. I tend not to undermine that. I genuinely feel like sometimes you might have to for the story's sake. Yes. But that's just my style. I don't disagree with you on paper, but I try to avoid that as much as possible. Of course, that, right? That gets I don't, real close I don't to take away, I don't want to take away their agency. I don't want to take away that one ability that they only get to use every so often. But, sorry guys, this is just the way it has to be. But that is why I have the difference between magic and god magic at my campaign, right? Sure. Uh, Dan, do you have any insight into role-playing the standard base level of this subclass? Um, we mentioned with the Path of the Beast, this like sniffing it out, I would have that same kind of thing just for magic. Like your your barbarian is sniffing out the ozone in the air that leads him towards those magical abilities. I don't think necessarily he is like pinpointing the magic in auras. I think it's more like he is experiencing the pull of that magic item or having some sort of um, physical reaction that draws him to uh, magic. I like the idea of him maybe having a headache instead. Yeah. Not enough to like get a level of exhaustion or be debilitated and give disadvantage to be like, Oh fuck! Right behind my right eye, there's some divination here, <laughs> right? Like, Just his nose starts bleeding. Oh fuck! Transmutation again. I can feel it in my knees. <laughs> Divination's rolling in. <laughs> Just crosses his legs. There's some enchantment nearby. <laughs> Transmutation. <laughs> get bigger! Get bigger! Get bigger! Get bigger! Um. Okay. Do you have any role playing? Insights, uh, not that kind of. No, no, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, no, I mean this. Like, yes, this. <laughs> maybe no, no, but yes, yes, maybe. I don't know. Uh, this seems like, as you said, as a player, do this. As a player, I'm never going to do this. Oh, my next barbarian's a wild magic barbarian, hundred percent. Yeah. Nah, I'll, I'll just play a spellcaster. Half casters just don't really. I'm not sure me. that this is going to slow you down. Going back to what you said before, I don't think this is going to slow down play at a table because you roll it at your rage and then it just happens. Right? Every single round. Like, you know what you're in for for the rest of this encounter or until the rage drops, right? Until you get to high enough level where you should be able to balance your two attacks. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, and then you're rolling and you know that that's coming. All of a sudden it's a. All right, so I'm going to blink. Right? And, like, that's... That's another natural one. That was... Well, that's because I wasn't using it appropriately. I, I tell the dice when to work for me. I decided to let Dan go first this time around. Okay. So, um, for me, I really... Work. Let's see. Roll a 14. Work. Roll a 5. <laughs> work. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of look up now. Come on. <laughs> anyway... Um, but it's just so beautiful. Sometimes, you got pills for that, though. Sometimes it stares back. Um, no, my my thing for the role-playing on this is the wild magic getting caught with the font of magical energy and whatnot. That sounds like the origins of a Genasi as well. Oh. 
So I would probably lean in that direction or a Gith Zarai who lives on the plane of Limbo, which is the chaotic magic yeah, and yeah. whatnot. So I've got I've got some ideas about what kind of uh what kind of race or sub race could actually really play with this. This would be really fun for a Booyog 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 kind of goblin as well. Oh yeah. Alright, doesn't have to be a sorcerer. They can they can run up and hit you and and a, then something fucking stupid happens. And then a flump explodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I would just point out about barbarians in general is the fact that they tend to be meat shielded. And they tend to be one of those things that once you've played your champion fighter or your thief at you know your first session that you've ever played, people will tend to either sidestep into barbarian if they like the um the kind of martial and melee side of things and explore that for a little while these two subclasses are going to keep you interested longer mm -hmm. than some things like the berserker would of course i uh, know the berserker is problematic in the first place but i really really like the flavor of both of these i don't consider this to be power creep i do think there's a little bit of power creep in Tashes, but these are subclasses that are now viable options as opposed to the Bear Totem Warrior, right? And that's, that was, if you're a Barbarian, you're going to play that. We have two other viable options. Yeah, there. yeah. And it's definitely worth looking into. I complained before about how it's a lot like a Shifter and a lot like a like uh, Lycanthrope and it's a lot like these other things. Maybe you have a party where everybody has Lycanthropic bloodline or lineage but it manifested in different ways this guy is a shifter this guy is a um, path of the beast this person is a circle of the moon right and so you've got kind of you know beast squad or whatever right that's fun but you can do it with the wild magic as well and we're starting to get some of these these um uh similarities when it comes to the subclasses and it tends to overlap with the races sometimes and this would be a really fun way. I could see a wild magic barbarian and a wild magic sorcerer twins share a backstory. Yep. And I think that's a lot of fun. More people should think about theming together like that. It was really popular in Critical Role Season 1, too. There were a couple of... Were they siblings? Yeah. yeah. But they weren't themed exactly, right? No. One was a rogue, one was a ranger. But I think that you could really lean in that direction and get a memorable and flavorful experience yeah well if you have a good memorable uh experience with a barbarian in your party please let us know and if you want to do that you could do it at the instagram on facebook or at r slash it's a mimic on reddit you could also shoot us an email at info at it's a mimic.com where you can leave us some mailbag questions and if you do they will be featured potentially on one of our many mailbag uh episodes that come out about once every three or so months uh, all right, guys, why don't we now pick up some dice and roll and see what kind of unique builds you guys have come up with. Sure. 17. I got to tree. I thought it was Dave's turn to go first, so I rolled a one. That's fair. I appreciate that. Yeah. You can't be right just by justifying the wrong after the fact. <laughs> I call it Republican. I'm never wrong. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Uh, I really like the idea of uh, multi-classing the uh, wild magic barbarian with a paladin. I like the idea of being able to get your smites back. 
uh, at a higher level. Oh. All right. I like the idea of being able to, and you gave me this idea, Dan, with your thorns and the aura. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no. That's, that's Paladin from Diablo. Yeah. Like, let's, oh, oh. But, huh. but are those going to stack nicely? Or yeah. No? There's no reason why they wouldn't. I, I, I think it would. I would also make it a Loxodon so I could call him a Barbarian. Fuck off. Fuck you. And that's I was on. I was, I was with you. I was on your team. We were allies. We were going to forge and charge up that hill together until you dropped that shit. Now I'm shooting you in the knee and walking the other way. Oh, no. I'm going to skin him. I'm going to get a pack of derm from him and I'm going to walk away. Go home. I really worked hard for that one, guys. We, so this is a good idea or a good time to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> it's not a nice thing to call yourself, Dave. Oh, <laughs> buddy. It's the large trunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what it is. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. Anyways, the for me, what I would really love to see with these guys, um, specifically the wild magic, you blew my mind with the idea of a paladin. I was just going to say uh, monk with a wild magic barbarian. Um, the movement alone gives you the ability to create some wacky nonsense and battlefield control around you a lot of these wild magic uh abilities have this aura around you right i like the fact that the monk who's going to run up get in your face hit you with the effect and then get out right um there's a lot of synergy there and just because i love them so much you cannot go wrong with a half orc here um, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. A half-orc barbarian, Dan? A half-orc barbarian. Yeah. What would you name it? Oscar with a C? No, never. It's always with a K. Uh, this is the last name that changes if he ever gets one. Usually it's a title. For example? Uh, Oscar the Hammer of Death was one of the most recent ones. That, that's the name of my penis. Oscar the is Hammer of Death. Is it because it, it's green? It's dead? It smells like trash? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, not about his penis. That's probably accurate. About my character. Fuck you. Don't fuck Dan's character. Mm. And also, it was a Le Petit More joke there about the hammer of... Never mind. Okay. I'll explain it to you when you're older, Daniel. Dave? One first. It's my turn. I'm never wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Dead to Dan for the last time today. Yeah, today. It'll happen again <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> anyway, uh, my idea was a Simic hybrid okay, okay. For, for the Path of the Beast. Just oh, this... another uh, Ravnica race. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really like that. The idea of them becoming, trying to get more bestial every single step of their way, right? Like their entire life is trying to become an animal. They've been imbued with this, and they're they're trying to go after it. Um, so I went level fourteen for that with six levels of battlemaster or champion, just because they're, I mean, the fighters so solid. Oh, yeah. Um, and then outlander background, maybe soldier. I know it dips into the same list of skills as the barbarian, but that just means I can be more barbarian-y and lean into the wild feral stereotypes, especially if I get that optional class feature. From Tasha's, which lets you get even more. Yeah. So you could just have literally every barbarian skill. Yeah, and, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to do, honestly. And I don't think it's going to imbalance your party. Especially if you have a three-person party. If you don't have enough people in there, you can, you know, 
round it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, cover a couple of, yeah. Yeah. Okay, hear me out. Do I have to? Yes. Sage background or acolyte. One of the, one of the researching ones. Okay. okay. Gnome. I'm out. I'm out. Path of the Wild Magic. A scholar who sits there and reads and investigates. You can make him an elf if you want to be medium or a half elf, whatever. But uh, investigates and everything else, but just gets fucking pissed off when he cannot, you know, uncover that one secret or reach that next step of knowledge. Like the just the most bookish nerd you can who just loses his goddamn shit. I was a player in a one shot that turned into a two shot. That had a barbarian gnome, and it was the most annoying, friggin' useless character on the friggin' earth. Yeah, but that's because I he was the damage strength. dealer as a rogue. Yeah, that, that's because he dumps strength. Did he? Yeah, yeah, he had a minus two to strength oh, as a barbarian. Yeah, he was so friggin' useless. It, it soured me on them. I, I, I just like the idea. It's like, gonna get angry when you punt them across the room. That's what it is. Well, you don't need <laughs> you don't need to have a massive strength. You have your rage bonus. So. I mean, a half-elf is the one that's, like, just a thin, weedy-looking half-elf. Yeah, but still, your plus-two rage bonus with your minus-two strength modifier. I wouldn't say minus-two strength, but, like, put a 14, you'll be fine. Sure. I'm just done with you and your gnomes. That's where I'm drawing the line. I've only ever played one with you. Yeah, but you pitch it, it was in enough. every third episode, Dan, is gnome this and gnome that. We couldn't even get through Icewind Dale, which is all about frozen shit, without, oh, did you know there's no mind flares? Dan, I'm going to, God, I'm angry now. I'm angry now. All right, well, anybody have any final thoughts on barbarians? He's up to gnome nonsense. <sighs> no? No. Okay. Gnome. All right, so that's all for this discussion on barbarians for now. Uh, we've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses, so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be shifting our conversation from martial class to a magical class as we see what new kinds of sorcerers are offered up in, again, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of the podcast out there to the community, so please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get, but you'll probably get mad. And some gnomes. Which is why I'm fucking mad! <laughs> This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Okay, guys, we've been talking about barbarians, and we usually play them from a roving band of nomads or a rampaging group of just angry gladiators or something i want to know from you what is one unique character idea to be a barbarian that does not include being part of a tribal war band or something else like that you got 18 i got an eight 12 
I've always liked the idea of like service industry worker unleashed in the world. Like the, your character's a cook and and like a, a short order chef cook. background. Yeah, right? like, sent back one steak too many. Yeah, right. <gasps> he just loses his shit and just walks around with a meat cleaver and like just enough of it. I worked in restaurants in the hospitality industry. Yet yeah, it's not it's not a far jump between that and cleaving your face off in a rage fueled, you know, rage rage. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, one of my favorite characters that I have ever played was Grisp, the halfling barbarian pirate. Hmm. And he he would just run around with hand axes, kneecapping people. Cool. Um, and it was a lot of fun to the point where he's now an NPC that dicks around in my campaigns, right? Yeah. So, um, but I like barbarian should be part of pirate ships. Yeah, hundred percent. That just makes fucking sense to me. I don't understand the swashbuckler rogue, and they're all rogues with the occasional bard. No, fuck that. Barbarians, get in there. I like just like the fish out of water. You've got your, for instance, Dragonborn or whatever. A kind Triton? Of, if it's yeah, a, fish a Triton. Or a Locatha, maybe? Uh, I mean, I've literally <laughs> done a Triton Barbarian. I know you have. Um, the Storm Herald. Uh, it was great. But uh, that, that kind of thing appeals to me. Someone who's kind of just uh, not necessarily been shunned, but decided to not be a part of the whole tribal scene and they want to kind of get on their own thing and they get into the real world and like civilization and just like, huh? 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 it's like every time Dave comes back from camp. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Sees yeah. traffic lights and just loses his shit. Yeah. Oh, the levels sees, of exhaustion. He sees uh, traffic lights and all I can see is red. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye.